You are listening to Self Help for Serial Killers, Let Your Creativity Bloom, written by Mari R.R. Campbell-Jack. Long-listed for the Crime Writers Association debut dagger and a finalist in the Amazon Publishing New Voices Award. Once I graduated, I knew I needed desperately to practice what I had been studying and learning. I wanted Scotland to be the canvas for my masterpiece, so it could not also be where I practiced. It was too likely that I would be caught too early and never get to finish my work. It is important to have a career plan with an ultimate aim and to focus only on your end goal. Anything that does not feed into meeting your goal must be rejected. Without a career plan, you are more likely to bump along from pillar to post, disorganised, chaotic and unable to fully realise your potential. So, I went travelling. Travelling, my brothers, does indeed broaden the mind. I would recommend that you all travel so you can see the wider world, so you can experience all the possibilities on offer to you. Some countries are also a much more open ground for you to practice on. I would particularly recommend third world countries for several reasons. Firstly, it's not difficult in a third world country to use a new identity. No one knows you, and when you are travelling, people often must take you at face value. The trust on which human interactions are built is ours to exploit. Commit a crime in one city, and then join the thousands of shaggy-haired, crumpled Westerners boarding buses to Laos or Cambodia. No one can tell us apart. We all look the same. A slick tongue and a Quick hand will cover most things if you are careful enough. Best of all, you don't even need to clear up. I remember the German I killed, her straight dark hair covering the mess I left her face in for someone else to pull back and discover later. I could just walk out of the room into the aroma of street food. Fish sauce wafting through the air, thick with humidity, and underneath the smell of sewers and the shit and piss of thousands of people all mingled together, its stink rising up from underneath the streets and the warm metallic tang of blood still in my nose. I walked down that road, ignoring the calls of you likey likey, and I found the white minivan waiting as the tour guide said it would be. I paid 300 baht and swung my backpack on. 
12 hours later, I was in Vietnam, having spent a pleasant journey with a mix of money slumming at New Zealanders and Canadians who waved goodbye to David, um, that's me, and would only realise an hour or so after I disappeared into the crowd that their wallets were empty and their credit cards gone. Time enough for me to have taken out enough money to cover several more months of living if I did it frugally. Sometimes I took passports too if the photos resembled me. You never know when an alternative identity might be useful. It was that easy. I was able to casually stroll away from every one of them. I was able to catch a bus or get on a boat to slip out of the guest house or leave them strangled and lying in a ditch by the side of the red dirt road. God knows when any of them were found. They were no loss to humanity. Rich kids unaware of their fortune while they sat surrounded by poverty and prostitution. All around them there was pain. But they didn't bother to see it because nothing was more important to them than their feelings of superiority, their wealth, their education and the opportunities things brought them. The indigenous population were there to be exploited and so were nothing, less than nothing, having no redeeming features to make them human. The local police were sometimes so incompetent and the local politicians and business people so desperate not to risk the tourist money they relied on that they even covered up the murders themselves rather than really trying to solve them. Ever thought about the number of people who go missing while travelling? It's not hundreds, it's thousands. People like to live with the illusion that life is predictable, that they are essentially safe. They're not. People disappear from their own homes with no explanation. People go to the shops and they never come back. They set out for a walk in a national park on a nice sunny day and are never heard from again. When people travelling experience a completely different culture, disoriented, arrogant, young, on a mix of drink and drugs and privilege at a full moon party, they are easy to pick off. People are idiots, too full of themselves to really understand anything. All you must do is wait and watch and seize the opportunity when it comes your way. Once or twice I tried it with locals. They are easy too. When people are poor or orphans or poor, no one really cares if they die. They just note it, clean up, move on. It wasn't as satisfying. The tourists, they were really parasites, parasites who thought they deserved everything they had and those around them, who truly belonged to the country they were in, were nothing but servants, things to give them pleasure and then move on from. I enjoyed them all, but especially the men who boasted about using the prostitutes and then not paying them as though this was something to be congratulated for. Their headless bodies floated down a wide river and 
were probably eaten by fish before anyone even noticed they were gone. Just another statistic of the backpackers who go missing every year. What these deaths did allow me to do was experiment. Try new things out. You can kill a child simply by kneeling on their chest. An adolescent is harder as they have more power in their limbs to resist. A blow to the head can make a highly satisfying thwack of a sound. Blood has an amazing translucent quality. Some people can hang on to life long after you expect them to let go. You can lie down beside them as the warm as the sun warms their skin and watches the blood bubbles from between their lips and their last shallow breath passes, dragging the spit and blood back and forth in and out of their mouth that can go on for quite some time. What travelling did was not just open up the world to me, but strip away the should. I didn't have to pretend to fit into the societies I found myself in. I could circumvent their rules easily and feign ignorance. In the third world, life is cheap. The liberals talk about our colonial past, but they don't realise that we are still exploiting the third world in every way we can. Sure, parents and families have some feelings around a death, but the wider societies... They're just like ours. They only really care when victims fit the right profile, well off, educated, not troublesome. In that way, humans are always totally alike. It's only when a victim has some privilege or kinship to the elites that you will see action taken. So travel the world. Kill the whores and the orphans. Wait until everyone in the insufferably loud group of Americans is drugged up to the eyeballs and then pick off the loudest one, knowing that no one will notice for hours. Strip away all the should that the society has given you and come back an enlightened man. The butterfly. You will be enlightened not because you have uncovered some mysterious secrets. I would like everyone to know that those who claim to have done so are not even able to describe that secret properly, which is really the sign of a charlatan who can't even construct a credible disguise. You will be enlightened because unlike all the others who follow the rules, who don't even think of living their lives any differently from the prescribed formula, you will know exactly what you are capable of. Once you know that, you may have to feign the trappings of a normal life to pass. But, my brother, you will have profound knowledge of who you really are. Knowledge that will free you. Along with the enlightenment I found in shedding all those shoulds, I also practiced practiced, practiced again and again. I squeezed with my hands, I struck, I carved into flesh, I ripped, I tore with my teeth, I pressed eyeballs inwards, I 
pulled on tongues, I cut off toes and fingers and feet and hands, I sliced off breasts and teased lips away from the face, I cut to watch people bleed, I made them taste their own blood, I tasted their blood, I realised that scalping isn't my thing, I don't care about hair, I bit, I chewed, I gnawed, I did it all. If I liked what I tried, I perfected it, what I didn't like, I didn't try again. I found one thing to be true. It really doesn't matter where someone is from, the colour of their skin or what they believe. Everybody dies the same. I refine myself. I put myself through my own apprenticeship in a crucible of my own making, knowing that when I came home, I would be ready to become a master and create my masterpiece. And I will tell you more next week about how you can do that working with your family. I'm full of Canadian whiskey and spite Again